Canadian Wants to Know. Ein Podcast für Englischlernende in Deutschland, der kraftvolle Geschichten und anregende Fragen nutzt, damit ihr auf unterhaltsame Weise eure Sprachkenntnisse verbessern, vertiefen und festigen könnt. Hier ist euer Host, the Canadian George Robledo. Welcome to my podcast, Anastasia. How are you doing today? I'm good, George. Thank you for yeah. inviting me. So, I originally I heard you on Megan's podcast. By now, uh, my audience knows Megan because she's been on two times. And I really enjoyed the conversation. You were very honest. Um, and, and I found that to be uh, endearing, I could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, in spite of the whole situation, you've, you've tried to make the best of it. And that is inspiring, I find. So thank you for sharing your story. And I will definitely leave the link to anyone else who wants to listen to that episode. Oh, nice. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about where you are today? What is your current status? So I'm currently in Italy, staying at my friend's house in Piemont region. And I've been here for, what, a month and a half right now after I fled Ukraine. So... Yeah, here temporarily, I hope, and I hope that I could go back to Kiev as soon as possible. Yeah, no, we can see an end to this soon, and um, hopefully, hopefully we can rebuild all all of this. That was, yeah, no, it's, it's just a very sad, sad situation, and sometimes it's very, very overwhelming. How have you kind of kept busy in order to kind of avoid falling into maybe very negative thoughts. Well, um, to be honest, I don't know if that's a good thing to be busy all the time, but that's, that has always been my, um, I'm going to use some French here, escapage. (laughs) So it's an escape for me. Um, and it's always been. So when I felt, felt depressed or when I felt like I didn't know what to do in life, I would usually escape to work. And, um, Some people do it just because they want to escape, but I've always loved my work. I do client experience consulting, and that is something that I've been dreaming of doing for years. I remember I was even telling my mom, it was, I think it was in 2000, what, maybe 10. I was telling her that, mom, if I can only start consulting companies on customer experience and on how they could serve their clients better... I would be the happiest person ever. So I'm, so you know, I'm lucky and and happy to be doing the work I love. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, serving others is always helpful when you are in a bad place yourself, and that has always helped me throughout my life. When something happened, and when something happens to you, you tend to concentrate on yourself. You focus on yourself. You focus on how poor I am, (laughs) you focus on what's going to happen next, you start fearing the future, you start uh, analyzing, hyper-analyzing, and then it takes you to a very bad place emotionally from which you almost cannot operate. So I've I've known this rule forever and ever. When you feel bad, when you feel sad, go and do something for somebody else. (laughs) But here, I, I didn't have a choice. I had my former clients um, or MBA students, because I also used to teach at the business school, they fled Ukraine as well with their kids and they needed my help because they didn't know anybody in Europe where they would go and stay 
so yeah, so I've started doing that and that has helped me a lot. It gives, it gave me power to then do something else. Is there any way that perhaps we could be of service in the community for, for, for your ladies that are escaping or coming maybe perhaps to Germany in this time period? Well, basically, and I think I did yesterday, I, I've done an interview for uh, Good Morning Washington, and they were asking the same question. So I, I'm overwhelmed with international support. People are asking the question of how can we help, and that's brilliant. So basically, we have three needs. Uh, number one is accommodation. And some of the women can pay for their accommodation, some cannot. Um, and then if they're with the kids, they need to find a place for, for a kindergarten or a school where a kid could go to. Um, and that's, I've heard, is hard for those people who are in Germany. It's much easier um, in Poland for Ukrainians than in Germany. I'm not trying to say something is bad with Germany, not at all, um, because people are very uh, open-hearted, really. But um, it's just that it's harder to get um, to, to a kindergarten or school. And then second thing that we are all looking for are jobs. So, because all the women that have fled are very well educated. They, these are former marketing directors, uh, HR directors. We, you know, I almost have everybody on my list, every possible professor, the profession doctors. And, um, so, yeah, what I'm doing for them, everything I'm doing now internationally, all the keynote speeches, um, I even um, offered my own recorded webinars, which I sell so that I can fundraise for their um, needs. Because sometimes they have those, we call them SOS needs, you know, when somebody, when a kid is um, in the hospital or, um, well, you know, they run out of gas, so many Many needs. Um, yeah, so that's that's these are the basic needs that we have for right now. Thank you. So what I will do is I'll, I'll leave maybe your contact information that if anyone wants to contact you and maybe ask how they can help, that uh, that you could give them the information that they need. Yeah, that's that's the best. Either email or Facebook. I'm on Facebook twenty four to seven. So yeah, perfect. But today, what we want to focus on is about maybe, well, not maybe, but about your upbringing, about the culture, about maybe even music and food of Ukraine. Because what we get a lot in the news right now is just very negative. And I thought that it would be nice to focus on, on some of the positive aspects of your culture. Can you tell me a little bit of what it was like to grow up in Ukraine? Yeah, that's a very good question because we, in Ukraine, we have lots, we used to have lots of communist inheritance, right? We were part of US, uh, um, USSR for many years. And so the, the mindset um, of my grandmother, even, even of my parents, was a little bit influenced still by the communist um, mentality, right? And when I say communist mentality, it has lots and lots and lots of aspects to it, right? For example, you know, what I'm fighting, and I'm fighting this now around the world, I even have a saying that make sure your company doesn't provide a communist level of service, which is, which is, um, we have, Ukrainians have never had this um, 
how do you call this, this ability to serve other people, okay? We, we have always been more of, I'm taking care of my own home, my own house, my own family, that's it, okay? So what's interesting to see now, I see a huge transformation in culture because now the whole culture, the whole country is serving each other, right? So that now the second you, you were asking about culture and music and all of that, um, it also depends on which part of Ukraine you were born. I was lucky to be born in Western part of Ukraine, which is, uh, which is very Ukrainian. So like, for, for example, the cartoons I watched were only Ukrainian. So if I meet somebody from those poor cities, Mariupol or Kharkiv, you probably have heard about the you know, heavy bombings in those cities now. So if I, if I would meet a friend from, or a client from, from that spot, if you were to talk about our childhood cartoons, they would be naming Russian cartoons, okay? Because they were, you know, the, those cities are closer to Russia, so they were more influenced. Now, me in the Western part, it's, it's very pro-Ukrainian. Um, it's uh, religious, and we are, we are called Greek Catholics over there. So it's not so much of an Orthodox influence as it is in the central part in Kiev where I you know, lived for my, um, since I was a student. So, um, so it's, it's really it's different. Then, for example, in, in the Western part, every Sunday people go to church. It's like a tradition. Nobody's, nobody's even questioning it. <laughs> Sunday you're going to church. Nobody's asking if you want to, but <laughs> you're going to church. Now, um, you know, I, when I was a kid, I was fighting that, of course. I was telling my grandma, I don't want to go to church, blah, blah. But then when now I realize that it's a good thing because it's, it's bringing you up a different person Whereas it was different values, whereas uh, people in the eastern part of Ukraine, they seriously have never been so patriotic like the western part. And only now, unfortunately, because of the war, they have, um, they have started to be patriotic. So many of my customers, of my friends, who, who have been speaking Russian since their childhood from those other parts of Ukraine, since their childhood, they are now switching to Ukrainian during the war. So do the people in the East, do, do they also use Ukrainian in their everyday or is it mostly Russian speaking? It's mostly Russian speaking. It's mostly Russian speaking. In everyday, uh, no official documentation, yes, but uh, it's mostly Russian speaking or it used to be Russian speaking. And um, are there like certain, because you mentioned right now with with the religion, right? In, in the West, it's, it's more... Um, Orthodox, you said, and there's also yeah. like Greek Catholic as well. Greek Catholic, yes. Mm -hmm. Orthodox is more central in Eastern okay. part. Okay, okay. But what are some other traditions? We can probably focus on your region because yeah. that's probably from your own experience. What other types of traditions exist in your region of Ukraine? Yeah, it's very traditional in a good way. Um, that part of Ukraine keeps the traditions. For example, we could talk about Easter because it, it, it it's going to be. They celebrate Easter in Ukraine the next Sunday, okay? So it hasn't been celebrated yet. But for example, what do you do for Easter? So for Easter in, in the Western part of Ukraine, everybody puts on the Ukrainian national dresses, everybody, from kids to elderly people. So it's, if, you, if, if you've seen the pictures of beautiful embroidery, um, it's, it's all Ukrainian, right? So it's usually 
usually if you see an embroidered shirt, different colors, it would probably be Ukrainian. So, you know, they put on the Ukrainian national clothes. They take little baskets, baskets with uh, Easter cake, then sausage, butter, salt, and then little things. They, they put ribbons, um, beautiful ribbons on that basket, and they take it. All the baskets are taken to the church um, to be blessed. Okay, so there is a priest. He he, he goes around and blesses those um, those baskets with, with with the goods in them. And then the whole family gets together, and then there is a usual Easter brunch that everybody knows about. But um, you you start with those. You start eating the things that were sanctified or blessed first, and then you eat the the, the whole other produce, right? So uh, so so Easter, Christmas, for example, for Christmas we would always have twelve dishes. That's that's a tradition. You would always have twelve dishes, and my mom always makes those. <laughs> um, and uh, dishes like uh, cabbage rolls, then pierogi. You probably heard of it, right? Baraniki in Ukrainian. Um, then, um, which, which are more like dumplings with different feelings, um, feelings, not the feelings. <laughs> then borscht, of course. And all in all, it comes up into twelve dishes that everybody has to eat on um, Christmas Day. So uh, on Christmas Eve, I'm sorry. So it's it's it is traditional, but in a good way. Okay, it's almost it's almost like all these traditions are being. Uh, passed from uh, one family to another and uh, but again it's mostly in the western part even in kiev for easter nothing is done like people people maybe would go to church but it's just a little percent of people percentage of people and what is your favorite dish what do you love most well, I, I'm I'm very non-typical for Ukrainians, but uh, typical for everybody else. I love mashed potatoes. I could live and work for mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's funny, but yeah, mashed potatoes, which is not traditional at all, but <laughs> it's delicious. It is. Delicious. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> that's that's globalization, right? That's As we true. Interact with other groups of people, we start to adapt and change, and yeah, that's also a cool thing. That's a really, really cool thing. What are your favorite places to visit in Ukraine? There are lots and lots of places. We just had, this past year, we had many tourists from Saudi Arabia uh, because they had a, a, they just started the first direct flight from Saudi Arabia to Kiev. And I saw that many of those people would go to Kiev, of course, Lviv. Um, and also, which are, which are just, you know, city sightseeing, but also they would go to Carpathian Mountains. Carpathian Mountains are the mountains that people usually go to ski or just to relax during the summertime. So, yes, then uh, when I was a kid, we would go to Crimea every summer, but now, uh, while it's temporary under Russian uh, regime, nobody wants to go there, of course, so... Yes, but I remember my, my mom and dad would usually, and my brother, we would go to Crimea for vacation. What is it that you think that we could all learn from Ukrainians? Like a, one of the qualities that you've noticed from Ukrainian people that you say, hey, that's a really beautiful quality that we could all maybe incorporate into our own lives and our own behaviors yeah well number one bravery i think i'm 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 i'm, I'm obvious here right <laughs> uh 
Um, Ukrainians are very brave, uh, extremely brave. And um, yeah, I think that the whole world is now fascinated by this. Second thing, Ukrainians will fight for their country, which is interesting because I'm in Italy now and we are having conversations with men and women about, uh, about what's going on in Ukraine. And the number one question everybody's asking me is, why are you guys fighting? Why, why have you not all fled the country? And I find it hard to explain because for, for us, for Ukrainians, you have to defend your land. There, there is you know, no questions asked. So, so there is this almost like appropriate feeling of this is my land and I'm going to defend it from whoever wants to take it, right? So that also, uh, the third thing is that Ukrainians, uh, they, will, they, will, they will help you they will help you. They will send you the money. They will give you a hand even when they themselves need help. Okay. That's a very interesting feature because, or characteristic, because even now with my girlfriends that I'm helping, like you have to understand, I'm asking them five to six times. Do you need money? Do you need something right now? Do you need, they would say like, if I am asking five to six times, Maybe to the four times out of these five, uh, five to, to six, they would always say, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> it's very hard for Ukrainian to accept help. So this could also be interesting for those of people who are hosting Ukrainians. Not because we are prideful, but there is something inside of us that always says, somebody else needs the help more than I do. Okay. So really, it's hard to accept help. It's hard to ask for help. Uh, but Ukrainians at the same time are very extremely hardworking, extremely. My girlfriends, when they, you know, they, they, they just fled the war, they came here, they came to Europe without their husbands, of course, because the husbands are back in Ukraine fighting for the country. They came, came with two, three, four kids. It was hard for them to find a place to live. You know, where do you live? What do you do? Do you do all those questions, basic questions, all the paperwork. And then the next week they're here, they're asking me, Anastasia, do you have any remote jobs for us? <laughs> so they want to work. They want to work. Very hardworking, very responsible. So um, I was telling some, someone that I actually, I, I envy Europe right now or, East, or Western Europe. Why? Because it's being invaded <laughs> in a good way by Beautiful women. People, yes, brave. beautiful. Yes, brave and hardworking. So it's a pain for Ukraine because if those people decide not to come back, then we are just losing talent, right? But it's a big win for, for Europeans. No, I can, I can agree with that. But I really hope that this whole situation can come to an end soon so that uh, we can yeah, help, help rebuild this country and we will see what the politics are but maybe one day also join the european family yeah yeah we saw that they have started the procedure mm -hmm. we will see what these are things that i really do not understand the politics of it all and that's why i don't like to think too much about it i, I try to focus more what are the the individual people like what are their stories what are their needs because mm -hmm. politics is very confusing and Sure. And there's always going to be lots of different um, stories and whether fake news or whatever it is. So, but I say, hey, like these people need help. Let's focus on that. Sure.
and uh, see in which way we can help. Is there maybe one last thing that you would like to tell Germans or Europeans about what you guys want or need or how maybe we can collaborate to move forward in, in a more positive direction? Yeah, sure. Um, there's something that I've been thinking about a lot, and then it came as a huge big dialogue right now, um, a global dialogue. Um, and it's something around the attitude we all have towards people called refugees. Okay. And there is uh, this whole dialogue right now that uh, Ukrainian refugees are treated better than other refugees from other countries. So I would like to step in here and maybe share my own experience with this. And I hope this will be helpful to, to the audience. I personally, you know, long ago, I, I will admit that I kind of looked down on refugees. I always thought that these people are just fleeing their countries because they want to be looking for a better future. They don't want to work. They just want to live on social benefits. So that was all my, you know, asso associations with the word refugee. And I'm guilty of that as well, because now when I look at refugees who are my friends, or if you put it this way, I'm also a refugee right now, right? Um, then I understand that a refugee is a poor person who had to leave their homes and they did not want to leave their homes, okay? And like Ukrainians, uh, there is this weird um, notion about Ukraine that it's a poor country, it's a, it, it has always been at war. No, it has not always been at war. <laughs> we had a local local war in the eastern part of Ukraine was Russia, but, um, but the whole, the rest of the country was, was functioning well. My friends are living in beautiful houses. They are driving Tesla cars, Mercedes, you know, uh, BMWs. And I'm not saying that to, to boast. I'm just saying that for everybody to understand that we we're having the same level of life as everybody else is having, right? I also woke up in the morning, got my fresh coffee, French press, avocado toast, right? And I would put on my high heels and got ready to work to the office, beautiful office. So, and then in one minute you lose all of that, right? And one day you just, you just, you just realize that you only have one suitcase and a folder with documents and that's it. All your apartments, all your belongings, all your beautiful cars, whatever you're having is all somewhere. So my point here is for for the whole global community, when you see a refugee, uh, do not judge them. Some of them might not be looking nice or fresh or, or nicely dressed, but that's only because they were not able to bring many clothes with themselves, right? Now, some of them, on the contrary, could look very nice, could drive a very nice car, could be wearing very nice clothes. But that could be the only thing left. And they also do not have any more means of existence, right? So I would just like for us, for people, to have empathy when you see somebody who needs help, whether this person is a refugee or temporarily displaced or permanently displaced, and to not judge them because... Really, being in the situation when your all belongings are limited to one suitcase is hard, is unthinkable, and you know, and we just need people to have uh, what mercy, maybe compassion, yeah. 
compassion as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a phrase that I really like, which says, um, "You will never understand someone until you walk a mile in their shoes." To at yeah. least try. We can't. I cannot walk in your shoes, but to at least try to True. understand what it is that you're going through and how we can be of service instead of judging, like you say, and looking down on people and saying, oh, these lazy people. No, man, we're all human and we're all doing the best we can to survive and to thrive and to create a better future for our children. So, yeah, yeah. that's a very good message. Thank you very much. Where can we find you if we want to connect with you, if we want to learn more about your services, which are very, very much needed uh, (laughs) in German? And I hope the Germans don't kill me for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you analyze that you have a problem, that's already the first step, right? So it's good. It's good. Um, Yeah, well, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, email, whatever fits you best. Instagram as well. Yeah. So I will leave all of those links in the show notes for anyone who wants to reach out to Anastasia. Thank you so much for your time and for your story and for sharing with the audience more about this beautiful country that hopefully we will be able to rebuild one day. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. The main message I got from that interview is to have more empathy for what other people are going through. It's easy to judge others until you find yourself in a similar situation. If you're in a position to help the refugees coming from Ukraine, please do so. And if you're not, at least be kind. Today's audio message comes from Connie. Hi, George. This is Connie speaking. Thank you for all your great podcasts. They are always so interesting, varied and versatile. I think you always have the right questions for your interview partner. And you always give something of yourself, of your own experience and thinking. I really like that. Everything is really easy to understand and helps me to keep improving my English. Please keep it up. It's perfect. Thank you for that message, Connie. I try my best to ask good questions. I think it comes from genuinely being interested in what the other person has to say. That's what I would recommend to everyone out there. Be interested in others. There are no boring people, just boring questions. You can always learn something new if you ask interesting questions. If you enjoyed this episode, share my podcast with one of your friends today. If you want to support the podcast, consider leaving a tip. That's it for this episode. Also, bis nächstes Mal.